This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Hey, Peter K. Navarro in for the Admiral. Always a pleasure and an honor to be in the war room. It is the war room. It is your war room, the posse. You are the most potent political force uh, here in America. And my job uh, is to try to give you as much information as I can so that you can act accordingly. Uh, great show today. We're going to take the first half of the hour uh, with a very special guest, Rogan O'Hanley, otherwise known to you as DC Drano. Um, he's going to come on uh, in a few minutes, and we're going to kind of take a look at the chessboard, uh, otherwise known as the Deep Swamp in Washington, because there's some things going on uh, that, frankly, have been very disappointing uh, uh, to the posse. And then uh, the second half uh, of the hour, uh, two very special friends are going to come on and do a debrief, a really deep debrief, on uh, the Communist China meeting with uh, our fearless leader, Joe Biden, um, in the Clean for a Day San Francisco. Um, kind of hilarious what they did there in a, in a very dark way. Um, but the two guys, Brad, Brad Thayer, and then the, the guy I know most personally is Jim Fennell. Jim, uh, most famously, uh, was the head of the uh, PACCOM uh, command out uh, out in Hawaii, um, which had as its mission uh, to deal with the Chinese communist threat. And uh, he um, infamously got fired <laughs> by his superiors for being too candid, let us say, uh, about the danger the communist China posed to um, the U.S. Navy and, and the U.S. military and to this country. So they'll bread there. Jim Fennell, debrief in the second half of the hour. Um, what I want to do is just touch on a couple of topics before we get to Rogan. Uh, the, the first thing, there's been a, um, let us call it a kerfuffle um, in D.C. that erupted this week between the Trump campaign and uh, a couple of so-called think tanks in Washington. One is uh, the Heritage uh, Institute, which has been around forever. Um, the other is the America First Policy Institute, which was formed um, after uh, Donald Trump uh, left the White House uh, in, uh, in 2021. And um, I, wrote a, I wrote a piece about back in July of 2022 which basically looked at the American uh, First Policy Institute. It, uh, first of all, it's misnamed. It's got nothing to do with MAGA. I looked at everybody in it. There are some good people, uh, but there's far too many never-Trumpers. The person who heads it is, is a woman named Brooke Rollins. She's a very nice person. 
uh, very earnest person. Um, but she knows nothing about economic issues or trade issues. Uh, she's strictly a social issue focus. Uh, and her vice chair is Larry Kudlow, who I fought with literally on a daily basis when he was in the White House, made my life miserable when I was trying to implement tough policies on trade in China. So you got like this one, two punch there and then and then the fish rots from the head down. Right. Because you have um, all of these these people who are the, like the, the typical never Trumpers who were in there. And the beef that the Trump campaign came out with this week, they just finally threw up their hands and say, hey, AFPI, you're using the Trump brand to raise money. And that's taking money away from the Trump presidential campaign. Oh, and by the way, please stop thinking you're grooming people for the new Trump administration. Um, and good for Susie Wiles and La Cifita at the campaign for calling them out on that. Um, and what I'm calling AFPI out on today is, is, is simply this. And Brooke, just fold that organization up. It may have served a purpose, maybe, uh, over the last year or so, but you're not needed now. Nobody in that thing is needed right now. The Trump campaign has command of the policies and the messaging, they don't need you. And all you're doing is taking money away from the Trump campaign that could be used to elect our next president and using it. And I, I just hate, hate it when the swamp people do this, the swamp creatures. They just give it a bunch of money, too much money to people who don't need the money and paying too much rent and just wasting, it's just pure, deep swamp stuff. So, Brooke, love you dearly, but it's time to fold that shop up right now because your efforts are not needed right now. The Heritage Institute is a very different situation in a way. Heritage has been around forever. And going back to the 2016 campaign, Heritage was a strong opponent of Donald Trump, primarily because of the stuff I was most involved with, uh, which was um, the trade issues and the tariffs on China, and uh, secondarily, uh, the securing our southern border. And the problem, and it, it's, it's uh, this is a case where the, where the fish rots from the, from the core out, because the core problem with heritage is that it relies on dark money from people like the Coke network, all the globalists, rhinos want to ship our jobs offshore, and they're natural enemies of Trump, right? So they went through this exercise. Uh, they have a new CEO. I, 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 I like the direction he's trying to take the heritage, but, but let's be real here. You can't have an organization which is funded primarily by rhino globalist Coke network type money and expected to be fully supportive of Trump. And the, the one story I tell uh, that, that kind of said it all to me is this. Uh, they reached out to me, um, I don't know, it was over a year ago. They were working on 
a policy book, which, as it was presented to me, was designed to reflect what President Trump policies would be in a second term or what they should be. And uh, they wanted me to do the trade chapter, I, I think, for obvious reasons. And I dutifully did my duty there. I sent the thing in. And the trade chapter reflected everything that President Trump stands for, you know, tough tariffs on China to offset their, their cheating, um, dealing with uh, countries like Germany and Vietnam, which are robbing us blind in other ways. Um, and the, the funny part of the whole thing is, as this thing was getting ready to go to press and gone through the editorials, they go, oh, and by the way, um, we had somebody write a rebuttal chapter to you. And the, the title of that chapter is The Case for Free Trade. And I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you're, you're supposed to be doing a book that's reflective of the new Republican Party led by Trump, who has never said the word fair trade except in vain excuse me, he never said the word free trade except in vain and has always supported fair trade. That's Donald Trump, fair trade, Donald Trump, fair trade. Free trade is the globalist rhino mantra to send our jobs offshore, send our factories offshore, keep your wages down here. And so, <laughs> so he said, okay, you're gonna run the, do the chapter, you're gonna call it the case for free trade. Well, then call mine the case for fair trade. It would be done. So I just, I mean, it was like, you got to be kidding me. And to me, that was the tell in the Heritage Con game there because they're still grappling with their internal divisions. And they're, they're, they're doing the same kind of thing that, that, that the, the AFPI, Brooke Rollins monstrosity, Kudlow thing is trying to do. It's like they're measuring drapes in the White House, thinking that they're going to put their people in and control the policies of Donald Trump. That, that's a fantasy, okay? That's a fantasy. They tried that in 2016 during the transition, and Trump just just <laughs> get out of here. He's going to say the same thing again. Um, so it would be nice to have a think tank in Washington, D.C. that was a legitimate think tank reflective of, of, of MAGA policies. Um, but it ain't heritage, it ain't AFPI, it's not certainly not the American Enterprise Institute, certainly not the Cato Institute, it's certainly not the Peterson Institute, all of which are putatively kind of Republican, but they're not, they're rhinos, okay? So just as this thing unfolds, just keep your eye open, and if you want, call AFPI, tell them you want them to shut it down, because they're not mega. Um, all right, let's... Uh, Let's bring in uh, in Rogan now, and uh, uh, Rogan on Hanley, DC Drano is uh, is his handle on Twitter, Getter, and uh, Truth Social. Rogan, uh, my brother, uh, were, you, were you prefer to be called DC Drano or Rogan? Tell me. You, you can call me either. Whatever comes out, Doctor. All right, brother. Let's let's go with Rogan. That's my affection for the Irish. Um, so. <laughs> Here's the thing. Let's start. Let's start with with Mike Johnson, the new speaker, and this decision this week uh, to do 
um, something which which basically kicked the can down the road for another 60 days and um, and frankly uh, upset a lot of people um, in the posse. Is he is he okay? To give you some options here, multiple choice. Is he just dumb and getting outwitted? Um, is he kind of Kevin McCarthy um, with a Southern drawl? Uh, none of the above. What's going on here? I think he's none of the above uh, thus far. You know, I equated to uh, the first tee off in a golf match. A lot of times you get a mulligan on that first one. You may not be as warmed up and. You know, I do give him a little bit of leniency for the fact that he was thrown into being Speaker of the House, which I think is one of the hardest jobs in America. And he had only a few weeks to completely transform how Washington spends its money. Um, we are let down by what he did. Let's let's, you know, not uh, blow any smoke here. We are let down. On the upside, no Ukraine funding, no Israel funding. On the downside, no spending cuts. And we put him in there, and we, and we stood in the breach with Matt Gates because we wanted Washington to be transformed. The debt is out of control, and you can rattle off these numbers better than me, but we have a $2 trillion deficit. The, uh, they can barely sell these treasury bonds without jacking up the rates. Uh, Janet Yellen is over kowtowing to Xi Jinping, bending the knee, saying we need good economic relations with China because she wants them to actually buy these treasury bonds next time around. And, you know, we're paying upwards of over a trillion dollars in debt per year when we only have about four point four trillion in annual uh, tax revenue. So, you know, 25 percent, give or take, is going right to debt repayment. So we need massive spending cuts and spending reform. We need to rein DC in. Mike Johnson did not get it done in his first month. I'm a Mike Johnson guy. I know Bannon. I know some others they are. But um, the, the honeymoon is over. And we are going to be expecting from now until that 60 days is up, major steps to transform how DC spends its money. Otherwise, I have a feeling after that 60 days, if he doesn't come up with spending cuts, he's going to lose the majority of his support in the base. Rogan, um, who's his uh, inner circle? And, and are they the kind of people that we'd like to have around him that will carry the MAGA agenda? Or you know, how, how's it working? Do you have any insight into that? I, I don't know how your process works. I want to talk a little bit about that in a bit. But um, what are you hearing, seeing? Is, is, he, is he like... A lone wolf, or who's who's he listened to? Well, I think right now there is a transition period, right? So we have seen some positive steps. He fired uh, a national council lawyer, national security council for Kevin McCarthy. Uh, Brian Costello brought this up that actually shut down some of the Sequoia Capital investigations, right? So he had all the information about it, and yeah. he coordinated with McCarthy to shut down Sequoia. Um, I know that another one of McCarthy's staffers uh, in the speaker office was recently fired, a female. Um, so, I mean, there is this transition period. I do know that he has met with some of our Freedom Caucus 
congressional representatives and is listening to them on their ideas and their policies. You know, he's kind of he hasn't really thrown any sharp elbows in either direction yet. He's just generally been the nice guys working and talking with everybody. Everyone's kind of, you know, in a wait and see approach. Uh, As for his, you know, internal staff, uh, I saw an article about. It, could that be the problem? He's just too nice a guy for this job. It that that could be. You know, I I, I do want to give him a little bit of more time. Uh, you know, I, I posted a video after he uh, represented Trump during one of the impeachments, got the acquittal, and he was standing right outside Nancy Pelosi's plaque on her door, and he held yeah. up the newspaper and said "acquitted," and he looked and winked, you know, to the camera. I, I think he's got that dog in him, as we say. Uh, but there's a lot of gears and controls and buttons to to get a grasp on. And, you know, 60 days, let's and, and no Ukraine funding. Hey, that's an improvement. Every single bill that Kevin McCarthy passed had Ukraine funding. So we do have that one improvement. Uh, right now they're trying to tie in the Ukraine and Israel funding together. I don't think that's – I well, hope that doesn't happen. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I had to choose between no Ukraine funding and significant budget cutbacks, I choose budget cutbacks every time. Because mm-hmm. Ukraine funding, as large as it is and as much as it's screwing American taxpayers, it, it's a rounding error compared to $2 trillion. And so um, yeah, that, that doesn't um, – that doesn't appease me. Uh, in terms of his um, inner staff, I mean, who's who's he um, listening to? Um, I, I've heard some things. I, I, I can't disclose on the show, but I have heard there is going to be some good things coming down the road. I, I think, I hope that his plan is, hey, we didn't get everything we wanted. We didn't get a lot of what we wanted on this CR but hopefully he's going to release the J6 tapes. I know that that's in the works from what I'm hearing. But, you know, believe it when I see it. McCarthy uh, sat on those, right? McCarthy had them all. Would yes. he give them to Tucker and that was it? Did he give all of them to Tucker? Not to my knowledge, no. I, I, I think they've been holding these back. It, the thing is, it's good politics to release this stuff. They, they think it's, oh, we don't want to talk about J6 and, you know, the election. No, no, it's, it's good politics to expose that this was a setup, to expose that it was Nancy okay. Pelosi, to expose okay. the election fraud. But, you know, one of the biggest letdowns, and I saw Mike Cernovich talking about this, is, you know, we've fully funded this FBI so far and this DOJ that has gone after not only President Trump and, and the J6ers, but also pro-life protesters, uh, soccer moms protesting at school board meetings. I mean, there needs to be some serious hammering over this next 60 days. So, you know, Mike Johnson, like I said, I like him, but uh, this next 60 days is the gut check time. And if he can come through and and get us some wins, I think he'll have a lot more uh, wind in his sails going into the rest of 2024. And, And here's another positive. He supported and endorses President Trump, right? Kevin McCarthy, in the nine months he's been in, even yeah. though Trump kind of helped him behind the scenes, never said that. So I do give him some credit. He has kind of gone out there and with his Christian biblical worldview. But 
we we want the the spending cuts. We want the J six tapes, and we want to hold this weaponized government accountable. Well, yeah, you know, the three three parts of this these moving pieces. You got you got the budget piece, but you got Mike Gallagher running the, uh, the the communist China investigation. That seems to be going nowhere fast. And then you got judiciary not really doing a good job at all on uh, the weaponization. Uh, that you that you mentioned it's like for me it's like look it's all well and good to go after hunter biden and joe biden uh through judiciary but for me the the bigger issue are the school board people are the people like like uh like steve who the doj went after and like literally everybody and i serve within the white house that I know of who was actually pro-Trump um, has been subpoenaed or indicted or something. And and that's no, and so, but there's been just virtually no movement on any of that. The Congress has left this whole issue of executive privilege totally alone. It seems, it seems like, like they, they totally ignore what's going on. And by the way, the, the only reason why Trump is being investigated by Jack Smith is because Kevin McCarthy let that J6 committee get started to begin with and act illegally as a judiciary instead of a legislative branch. So a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Um, talk to me a little bit, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. It's like, um, you know, back in the day, uh, I, I always like to study uh, how writers did their craft and stuff like that, you know, writing their 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 op-eds or their books or whatever. And you 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 are kind of like the vanguard of this whole new media. It's like the 250 word haiku on social media. And I was just kind of curious, uh, maybe to share with your with the the viewers here and the listeners, um, what your process is. You know, what's what's a day in the life of Rogan look like? You know, how, what do you read? What do you look at? When, when do you start doing your stuff? Can you, can you just maybe share a little bit of that? Yeah, uh, President Trump was joking at uh, one of his rallies in West Palm a few weeks ago. He gave me a shout out. I was very appreciative appreciative of it. He's like, these guys are brilliant. I don't know what they do. Do they do it from their couch? Like what? what? I don't know how they do this. Um, you know, it, it I basically just turned my kind of news addiction into a, you know, a, a, a career of sorts. I mean, what drove me to do this was seeing Marxism banging on the door when I was uh, a Hollywood attorney in 2017 for years before that. And I said, I got to support President Trump. I got to help this guy. And I believe that memes are the most effective form of communication that exists, right? It's a digital yeah. political cartoon. But if you look at a meme that you saw 10 years ago, right, you would say, oh, I've seen this meme. But if you showed me one of my own tweets from a week ago, I'd be like, yeah, I kind of remember that. Maybe that was me, you know? So that's the power of, of memes. They call it meme warfare. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I look and I try and see what isn't being said that needs to be said? Or what is the the one, two, or three issues that the left is focusing on? Uh, or what things does President Trump or, or you know Matt Gates or some of these America First Wars, what do they need help on? And that's where I try and allocate 
eyeballs and attention and I try and give people talking points that I think are effective. And I will say, hey, I, I do, do believe. Where do, you, where do you start with that, bro? Like, what time do you get up in the morning? What do you start doing? Do, do, do you, what, what is it? What do you read? The newspapers, the digitals, the websites, the drudge, the this, the that. What? How do you yeah. get your information to sort out to figure out what's important, what's not, what what they're missing? Walk me through I, that. I, I mean, I get a lot from War Room. I'll tell you that. I love, you know, I don't do a lot of news hits these days, only War Room. But I'm usually up around 6, 6.30, and I'm, you know, boom, right on my phone, uh, getting all the information. I do look at Drudge. Obviously, don't like them as much as uh, I used to. I love looking at CNN, MSNBC, Twitter. I follow a bunch of leftists. I mean, oh, I want to see what, what they're angry about. Yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, what they do, they block us out. They, they either block us or jump off the platform or ignore us. I love looking at what they're saying so that I can tackle it aggressively. So I can go boom right into it. They're saying Trump said this. No, it's boom. It's this, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I listen, you know, to YouTube podcasts. I, I, you get a lot of information. You follow enough good people on social media. You get the daily news. You know, when I watch Fox yeah. News, I, not that I do, but when it happens to come on, you're just reading or you're just hearing about tweets you saw five hours ago anyway. So I think X and truth, truth is amazing. Uh, getter, you know, I, you, you, you get the most up-to-date current, no BS spin on those, uh, platforms. And then I just provide my own angle. I provide my own thoughts. And, you know, I, 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 I tell people, I, I try to throw punches with words. This you know, that's just kind of my style. Yeah. We got about a, a 60 seconds left, so this would be a great time to give all of your uh, social media handles and coordinates. Yep, at DC Drano on everything uh, stands for Drain the DC Swamp. And you know, one one point I did want to uh, bring up from earlier, we were talking about you know some of the silver linings what Mike Johnson has done. Uh, Gallagher on the Chinese committee, he did send yep. a letter requesting documents from Sequoia Capital, which was that happened after McCarthy and. And James Comer, too, he, he uh, finally sent out those Hunter Biden subpoenas. So as uh, tough as this CR pill has been to swallow, I do see some glimmers of hope. And I'm hoping that in the next two or three months, Mike Johnson really steps up to the plate and, and impresses us and release those J6 tapes, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> All right, my brother, you take care of yourself. Uh, I'm following you. I keep watching and I... Uh... I love what you're doing, brother. You keep throwing those jabs. Thank you, doctor. Got your back. All right, my brother. Okay, in the uh, in the next part of the show, we're going to bring in Brad Thayer uh, and Jim Fennell uh, to talk about uh, communist China. They came, they saw, they conquered here in San Francisco. Uh, and we're going to tell you what the real agenda was. This is Peter K. Navarro in for the Admirals. Hey, man, stay with me. Be right back. I know this is hard to believe, but we're up against another government shutdown later this month. And our wise leaders deal with it how they always do with more spending. While lawmakers are high fiving, your savings account continues to lose value. Because more spending weakens the dollar. Now end the cycle. Diversify into gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. And listen, 
when you open a gold IRA for every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd. Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Let me repeat that. For every $10,000 you spend by December 22nd, Birch Gold will send you a free gold bar. Just text Bannon to 989898 to claim eligibility before Black Friday. Birch Gold can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a gold IRA for no money out of pocket. And you still get the free gold bar. Don't let your savings become a victim of the further devaluation of the dollar. Remember, the BRICS countries are focused 100% on de-dollarization. Text Bannon to 989898. Receive a free gold information kit and claim your eligibility before Black Friday to receive free gold bars on your qualified purchase. Do it today. Action, action, action. It can happen anywhere. Fires, hurricanes, tornadoes, mudslides. Regular cell phone service is fragile and can go down in an instant. Just ask the folks out in Maui. And when that happens, how will you contact your loved ones? That's why you absolutely need a satellite phone. Regular cell phones cover less than 8% of the Earth's surface. But with your sat phone, if you can see the sky, you can make a call. It's got 100% global coverage, ensuring you're always within reach. Your calls are secure and private. No one's eavesdropping. Even the U.S. military trusts these phones to communicate securely. Your text messages, encrypted. Only the intended recipient can read them. Everything you do with this phone is 100% private and 100% secure. Right now, War Room's trusted partner, Satellite Phone Store, is giving you a free and Marsat satellite phone with a 12-month plan if you go to sat123.com slash Bannon right now. That's sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon right now. Be ready for anything, earthquake, wildfires, terrorism, anywhere on Earth with your new satellite phone today, as well as your free bonuses. Visit sat123.com slash Bannon and use code Steve50. At checkout for free activation or dial 855-980-5830 to snag your free Amarsat satellite phone today. That's sat123.com slash Bannon code Steve50 or call 855-980-5830. When's the last time you checked the legal title to your home? Why? Because most victims of home title theft don't know they're a victim until it's too late. Like this homeowner. Check this out. She was getting ready for a home remodel when everything got shut down. She discovered her property wasn't in her name anymore. She was a victim of a devastating crime called home title theft. A criminal had forged the deed to her home and took over as the new owner. Now she's fighting back to get her home back. This is why I say if you own a home or a property... Get home title lock. Your home property in equity are the most valuable assets you have. By the way, there's reported 80 to 90% of your net worth, of average American's net worth, is in their home. And home title lock helps you protect them. Home title lock puts a 24-7 shield around your home's title. Let me repeat, a 24-hour, 7-day-a-week, 365-day shield around your home's title. The instant they detect activity or tampering, 
They help shut it down fast. First things first, you need to verify you aren't already a victim of home title theft. Find out for free with a sign-up when you use promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at HomeTitleLock.com. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, promo code Bannon. And when you sign up, your first 30 days of protection are free. Do this today at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code Bannon. Protect yourself. Do it today. Take action. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. Hey, Peter K. Navarro in for the Admiral Stephen K. Bannon. Uh, There's something very significant that happened in this country this week with uh, our fearful leader in the White House, Joe Biden. Um, And this was his... um, so-called summit with the dictator Xi Jinping. Even Biden called him the dictator. Well, good for Joe once. Um, We're going to break down what exactly happened with uh, two of the very best analysts uh, of communist China that we have in the world, Brad Thayer um, and Jim Fennell. Um, And as I told you at the top of the hour, Jim, Jim's a very special person to me. When we were in the White House, when I was in the White House, Jim was was going through his trials and travails with PACOM. He had been too tough on China for the uh, for the for the Navy brass, um, and they couldn't handle the truth. Uh, why he's now on room? But I actually uh, tried to get him. Um, uh, to be uh, be an ambassador out in Southeast Asia, uh, one thing led to another. It didn't happen, but um, he's just doing wonderful work. So I want to welcome uh, Bradley Thayer and Jim Fennell um, into the war room, gentlemen. How are you guys today? Great, Peter. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, that'd hey, be great. Um, let's start off um, with. Um, with the with the, the thirty thousand foot view with Brad, uh, you and I had a discussion offline about um, this whole notion of of Biden coming in to save China at the worst possible time. Uh, tell tell me what the agenda, what the real agenda. Tell a posse what the real agenda was of that meeting and how did it go for the U.S. Well, uh, Xi Jinping came to San Francisco uh, to thank his base. Uh, of support, which are the billionaires uh, that were at the dinner uh, uh, last uh, um, in the evening. Uh, the You're approximately four hundred. To be clear, right? American businessmen, right? Yeah, Silicon um, Valley, Wall Street types who make billions off of China. Right, who are supporting uh, Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party? So Xi came to thank them. Uh, by and their behavior was appalling, obviously giving him a standing ovation. But um, in order to uh, thank his base, uh, he had to go through um, the Biden administration. I think he, he used the Biden administration um, like a doormat, uh, essentially showing up. And the Biden administration gave him everything he wanted on mill to mill, right, begging for mill to mill. And Jim will speak to this in just a moment, right, on a, on a fentanyl agreement, which is basically a pie crust. It's going hey, to be me, uh, was let made me, for the posse. Let me decode some of this. Mill to mill 
um, I believe what you mean is is better communications between the U.S. military and the Chinese military out in the South China Sea and East China Sea, so nothing bad happens. I think that's what you're talking about, right? Right. Uh, okay. And then uh, on trade issues and to and to keep the investment flowing, Xi Jinping is in trouble. He's facing an yeah. existential crisis because of uh, the because the regime is illegitimate, because you've had decades of of uh, of tyranny. Uh, so they're in dire economic strengths. He needs investment and he needs trade from the West, uh, which is why he was there to thank his base. He was there to thank the billionaires, and ensure that they use their political influence. Uh, and sustain the support uh, for China. Also, uh, to shore up Biden, because he wants Biden or Gavin Newsom uh, to come if Biden's not able to uh, to make it. Uh, he wants uh, either Newsom or Biden uh, in office uh, in 25. So it's a, a wonderful photo op uh, uh, for, uh, for both of them, uh, actually, uh, at the meeting. So he's shoring up Biden and Newsom, and he's um, rewarding well, his what? base, thanking them. Uh, why is it a good photo op for Biden? It's a good photo op because he's meeting Xi Jinping, right? And they're having, um, uh, they're talking about how they're great friends. And that's going to be, uh, as you well know, Peter, going to be used uh, in uh, next year as the campaign heats up uh, if uh, uh, Biden uh, essentially uh, so, so stays. You think, the so, public, you think the American public actually think that's a good thing? I think the American people see see through it, uh, yeah. but there are a lot of different audiences yeah. uh, to whom Biden is speaking, and so it's uh, it's going to be uh, uh, an effort to um, uh, uh, he'll tout it as a, to be a feather in his uh, in his cap. But it was a, a disastrous meeting. It was horrible for the United States for our national security interests. It was a disaster. It should exactly. have never have happened. No, I mean it would be. Um, there was a time where American presidents took American security seriously. And it's within living memory, uh, yeah. actually. And uh, they would have never have gone through uh, this type of uh, humiliation uh, where um, uh, really from beginning to end, an emperor, Xi Jinping, came uh, to essentially uh, see um, uh, 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 his, uh, his supporters. So it was a disaster. At the same time, Peter, you saw the U.S.-China Economic and Security um, Review Commission report that came out on the same day, right, which said, hey, the PLA is preparing for war. Xi Jinping has told the PLA to prepare for war. Secondly, he's prepared Chinese society for war and to prepare for hardships uh, in the near term uh, and lasting and, and um, significant hardships uh, in, the, in the near term. And also, thirdly, that Xi uses diplomacy to buy for time, right? Yes. While the military prepares, while the squeeze on Taiwan, the Philippines, allies and partners, and on the U.S. Um, essentially intensifies. So you have that surrealistic disconnect at one time. At, at the, Hang on a second, uh, because what you've done is you've given me a beautiful segue to, to bring in uh, Jim Finella. Jim, feel free to uh, call up your chart uh, from the control room if you want. But, but Jim, you know better than anybody the seriousness of the Chinese military threat. Handicap that for us now. Go, 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 tell the posse. What exactly uh, we're, we're looking at here and how the communist Chinese want to kill Americans. 
Yeah, well, first of all, Peter, thanks for having, uh, having us on. Um, in terms of this meeting, the big announcement for me was that they came out of this and, 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 the, and Biden said, we have now this new arrangement. We're going to resume the military to military cooperation as if it had not been happening for a year because the Chinese are the ones that shut it down last August in uh, 2022 when Nancy Pelosi went as a speaker, went to Taiwan. She was not even there 24 hours. And the Chinese made a big deal out of that. And they said, we're cutting off mill-to-mill uh, communications. And immediately, the administration went into this panic mode. And they started, you know, they sent uh, Admiral Aquilino, the commander of Indo-Pacific Command, on television, uh, you know, to, to say, hey, I've been trying and they won't talk to us. And everyone that went this year, Blinken and Yellen and others, Kerry, they all said, we, we want to open up mill-to-mill -mill relations. And Secretary of Defense Austin made similar statements. So there was this continuous uh, effort to say, uh, we have to resume these mill-to-mill -mill relations. But if you go back and you look over the last 25 years, we've had a number of mill-to-mill -mill relations uh, that were, you know, after Tiananmen Square in 1989, we've had the de uh, defense consultative talks that started in 1997. We had the military maritime consultative agreement that was in 1998. Uh, then we had the defense policy coordination talks that started in 2005 and went on un uninterrupted until that one year break. And then you had the code for un unplanned encounters at sea or queues. It was established in 2014. So at the kind of at the top levels of the Office of Secretary of Defense, you had these major connections that had gone on for over 20 years where our military was talking with their military, four star generals, four star admirals speaking with their Chinese counterparts. And it was also happening inside each of the services. So the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, even the Coast Guard, down as far as you can get at the tactical level, uh, it, it maybe at the operational level, they were talking with Chinese counterparts throughout the year. And they've done this for 20 plus years. So all of a sudden now we get this, you know, this the hair, the world's on fire because there's a, a war in Ukraine and there's a, a war in Gaza. And now all of a sudden, having mill to mill is the most important thing. Yet nobody ever said, well, what happened in those 20 years of those talks? Well, one thing that happened was, is that we gave away all of our uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures, if you will. We told them what was important for war fighting. We told them that they needed to have a non-commission or officer yeah. corps, that all yeah. these things, and they gave us nothing. And so now we're in this position now where after the Trump administration that said, hold on a minute, uh, we can't have this Secretary Pompeo called it blind engagement. I called it unconstrained and unaccountable engagement. So we we stopped that, and you guys did that in the Trump years. And everybody said, oh, you're right. And there was this talk about a bipartisan consensus about China being a threat to the United States. And the Department of Defense started taking China seriously. So what I experienced in 2014, 2015, where you were not allowed to talk about China, you weren't allowed to provoke China, that, that changed after Trump administration came in and we turned the course of the ship of state, if you will. Well, now that's been undone with this meeting. And what President Biden is now, not only does he signal weakness to Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party and the Central Military Commission, but he also in a way puts doubt inside the our Department of Defense about how strong and how hard can you be against China uh, because you have the president now saying, hey, it's really important that we talk to each other. So anybody inside the military today that 
want, doesn't want to talk to China or doesn't want to take them or, or wants to consider them a threat, they're now going to be kind of suppressed. And that's going to make us less prepared and less ready for the conflict that China's actually been preparing for uh, for many, many years. And they're now in this, what I call this decade of concern. You can put up that chart, which essentially says the period from 2020 to 2030 is the most dangerous time because China, un unlike many people you hear will say, the, the quote unquote experts will say, well, China takes the long view. They don't want to rush any of this. Well, actually, all the Chinese leaders in Mao, since Mao Zedong have been saying to themselves and inside the Chinese literature and to their own people or, or to their own Communist Party, we have to be restored to be this great power in 2049. We're going to be this comprehensive great power. Well, you cannot become a comprehensive great power without having possession of everything that you say is yours. They say Taiwan is theirs. They say the South China Sea is theirs. They say the Senkakus are theirs. They have a bunch of areas on the border with India that they say is theirs. They even have disputes with Russia and North Korea. So they say this is all their territory, and they are trying to get it through you know, many means as possible. They got basically the South China Sea when Obama was president. They seized yeah. Scarborough Shoal from the Philippines. They built seven islands in the Spratleys unopposed. Well, they know now that they're probably still going to press Taiwan, but if they cannot get Taiwan without force, then they're going to have to use military force. And they can't use military force, you know, in 2040 and expect everybody to come to uh, Beijing to have a big ceremony in 2049. So they have this idea that, well, we used force in 1989 against our own people, and the world was shocked about that. And they, they, they turned on us and they called us barbarians. But then less than 20 years later, in 2008, they held the, uh, hosted the Olympics in 2008, and the whole world came and celebrated China. So they know yeah. that in about a 20-year period, we'll forget everything. And if you look at COVID, they gave, a, they gave us COVID. They killed millions, and we're forgetting about it now. So it, the bottom line is sometime between 2020 and 2030, and it may be earlier now because of the elections in Taiwan and other things that are going on in our domestic politics, that the PRC may end up using military force to take Taiwan. And what so we just signaled tell me, yesterday- Tell me, give me your quick view of how effective uh, the Chinese military has become. There was a, an interesting article in The Economist last week, basically questioning the combat readiness of, of communist okay. China because they, they weren't battle hardened. Um, tell me how formidable a foe you think they would be um, basically fighting in their own backyard against, say, the U.S. Navy. Yeah, they're incredibly uh, capable. So for 25 years, they've been building what they call a counter-intervention force, a force to design to keep the United States military out of the Western Pacific. So the big threat from the U.S. is our, our aircraft carriers and our submarines and our bombers in Guam and, and, and that. And we have a force that's in always living in the Far East, but they expect us to be able to fight our way in and be able to defeat an invasion force. Well, the counter intervention strategy that the Chinese military developed over the last 25 years was essentially building platforms, ships, submarines, aircraft, and shore-based bomb uh, um, rocket forces that are designed to sink and destroy 
an invasion or a count uh, uh, the U.S. Pacific Fleet and U.S. Pacific Air Forces that would come in from Hawaii and Guam. So they designed capabilities to destroy Guam so no bombers or aircraft could land and service there. They've designed missiles, ballistic missiles, to sink aircraft carriers, the DF-21D, the DF-26. They have all of their mainline surface combatants and their submarines have anti-ship cruise missiles that have longer range than the United States Navy, 300 kilometers, uh, supersonic. Uh, they've also now fielded hypersonic weapons. And then they have, as I said, the shore-based uh, uh, rocket forces as and well. And what, 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 what should we be doing that we're not doing, both with respect to safety of our military, but also in defending, helping Taiwan defend itself? What, what should we be doing? What's, what's on your checklist, the first 10 things you'd like to see a new president do in 2025? Well, the first thing I would Brent, do... You can chime in here if you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me just a couple of seconds and I'll turn over to you, Brad. The uh, first thing I would do immediately was to start deploying U.S. forces to Taiwan. We need to be there on the ground and use the, our presence as a, a leverage to deter China. Because they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and think about it. Do we really want to invade if the United States has military forces there? Because now we won't just be attacking Taiwan. We'll be attacking American forces. Do you think so we, Taiwan would welcome that? Uh, well, at some point they're going to have to because it's becoming increasingly clear to the Taiwan uh, people uh, that China is threatening them. You know, from 19, uh, from the from the 50s until just uh, three or four years ago, about a 60-year period, Chinese fighters never crossed the center line in the across the Taiwan Strait except for four occasions in 60 years. Now, in the last two years, they're crossing hundreds at a time uh, in the in the last year, and, and they're just multiple every day. There's fighters and other aircraft that are crossing that center line. They're operating aircraft carriers on the east coast of Taiwan. They're threatening Taiwan. They're circling the noose, or you can say an anaconda. They're squeezing Taiwan out. And besides uh, the, putting American troops in harm's way, which uh, we've done quite enough of that for decades, what what else can we, we do? Need, well, it's going to take time, but we need to start what they did in the 1940s, a two-ocean uh, Navy Act. We need to build up the fleet. We need to build up our air forces, which means there's going to have to be a battle royale on Capitol Hill about the budget. And, you know, we're spending a lot of money on a lot of things that aren't really necessary to our national security. But having a fleet and an air force that can essentially make sure that we cannot be pushed out of or destroyed out of the, the Western Pacific and the Pacific writ large, threatening Hawaii, threatening our West Coast. We need to have that, and we don't have that. Yeah, okay, we, we, let me let's do this because we only got a, a, a minute or so left. I want to give Brad a word. How can people get a hold of you? What's your social media stuff? I, I'm yeah. Bradley Thayer on yeah. Getter and Bradley Thayer on Truth and and uh, Brad Thayer on um, on, uh, on X. Okay, um, take uh, take the. Uh, 30 seconds, wrap it up for me, and then I got to wrap the show up, Brad. What, what, what's your top of your list? Jim's right. That we're now Look, there's so much to do on the military front, and Jim's right. And the nuclear aspect, I would add to that as well, right? That, uh, as Admiral Richard said, uh, their growth in the nuclear capabilities has been breathtaking. We yeah. haven't matched that in terms of missile defenses as well, 
uh, hypersonic defenses. But look, go to the center of gravity, cut the head off the snake, kill the CCP. That's the point. Yeah. Right. Wage political warfare on them because they are an illegitimate regime. They know they're illegitimate. We need to treat them uh, uh, in that manner. Uh, they are illegitimate. That means no meetings with them. Treat them the way we treated apartheid South Africa, right? They were beyond the pale. Uh, and work with the diaspora and people of goodwill around the world uh, to undermine them within China and outside of it. Don't give them the time of day. Don't reward them. Don't fund them. For Pete's right, sake, brothers. right? The first rule of strategy is don't fund your uh, enemies. I'm gonna, say, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to say goodbye to you guys. Uh, two of my favorites, I think the two very best analysts we have out there in Parsons Communist China. You guys keep doing what you're doing, Jim. We'll see you uh, sometime uh, across the pond. And Brad, we'll see you in the swamp. Take care, gentlemen. Thanks, Peter. Thanks very much. Yes. Thank yes. you. All right. Uh, <laughs> 30 seconds left. Uh, Peter K. Navarro in for Stephen K. Bannon. Um, you can follow me at uh, my Substack, peternavarro.substack.com, peternavarro.substack.com. What I'm trying to do there uh, on, a, uh, on a daily basis is to provide the kind of information in real time you need uh, to fight back against the swamp uh, and to fight for getting down. Trump in the White House. PeterNavarro.substack.com. Out. Debt. You go to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. Now, here's the truth. The system traps you in debt. High interest credit cards and loans make it nearly impossible to pay off your debt. And insane inflation keeps you stuck paycheck to paycheck. Done with debt is your lifeline. Done With Debt has an ingenious new strategy to help erase your debt faster and easier than you thought possible. Done With Debt analyzes all the debt options you qualify for. They know how to reduce bills. They know how to cut interest rates. Their skilled staff of negotiators know how to get debt out of your life permanently, without bankruptcy, and without additional loans. Done With Debt are the experts in brilliant strategies for eliminating debt, but you need to hurry because some debt solutions are time-sensitive. Now, here's how easy they make it. Go to donewithdebt.com. That's donedebt.com. Donewithdebt.com. Go there today. Action, action, action. Stop the worrying. Take action. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications, and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. 
you'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.